Hello and welcome, friends, to a special Mayday edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are WFMP Louisville, broadcasting at 106.5 FM and live streaming to the world wherever you are at forwardradio.org. You can turn this in throughout the entire Appalachian region, in fact. Uh, and today on the program, what we're going to do is focus on the work of Citizens Climate Lobby, and the Appalachian Regional Coordinator for CCL is joining me in studio. I'm so glad to have John Clark here. Welcome, John. Thank you, Justin. Oh, it's so great to be here and to be talking about this important uh, sort of, I think of it as like David and Goliath efforts, right? <laughs> Where the people are trying to organize against the entrenched wealth and power uh, that has that has dominated our economy for so long and to uh, pose sensible, economically viable solutions to tackling the global climate crisis. Uh, and the reason that it's sort of a May Day show, uh, you know, besides the timing, is that there's a lot that ties into issues of labor and jobs in America and right here in Appalachia too, right? Um, so, John, tell us about yourself. Uh, and before we dive into CCL and its work, uh, where are you from? How'd you get into this? Sure. Uh, so I, I was actually a letter carrier with the post office for nice. 25 years. Nice. Um, I recently retired and, and went to work full time uh, with Citizens Climate Lobby. Um, I've been a CCL volunteer actually since 2011. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm actually from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, All up right. in Amish country. And, and uh, the Appalachia region, so my territory kind of uh, consists of Tennessee, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Virginia. So a lot of Appalachia. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, uh, fossil fuel jobs and yeah. energy veteran jobs. So yeah. And, and where are you based out of? Uh, the organization's based out of California, but uh, I'm in. I, I, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Nice. Okay. Well, welcome to Kentucky. Welcome to Louisville. You're on a bit of a road trip right now, right? I am. Yeah. We're spending, uh, I'm spending two weeks uh, traveling across Tennessee and Kentucky. Last week I was in Tennessee. We hit, uh, uh, we started in Johnson City. We went down a little town called Athens, uh, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Nashville. Jackson, and we wound up in Memphis on Earth Day. Yeah. And then week two of the tour, uh, we're doing across Kentucky. We were in Benton, uh, Paducah, uh, Bowling Green yesterday, uh, today here in Louisville, and Lexington, and uh, up to Covington over the weekend. Nice. So, yeah. And we're actually recording this on April 27th. The tour is going to be wrapped up probably by the time you're hearing this. Uh, but tell us about what you're doing when you go to these places. Are you are you meeting other volunteers? Or Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're doing all kinds of events uh, based around Earth Day, uh, outreach events to grassroots, um, uh, you know, to the public and supporting our volunteers here in, in Kentucky and Tennessee. Yeah. So we're giving climate change presentations. Uh, we'd had, we're doing interviews, uh, by youth art, climate, uh, climate art competition, uh, down in Tennessee. That oh, was wow. great. Um, uh, just all kinds of events and, and, uh, meeting a lot of good people here. Now, are, are there citizens climate lobby chapters in all these places you're going? Or are you partnering with other organizations too? Yeah, mostly there's chapters in the areas that we're, we're going to. Um, so, yeah, we're supporting those volunteers. Uh, and But, yeah, we're, 
we made some stops in some areas that we don't have chapters, and yeah. we're trying to get chapters yeah. in. Um, so we're doing outreach to the public and just showing them what we're doing and yeah. what we're about, and and hopefully they get on board and, and doing things. And of course, there's an active chapter here in Louisville, right? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us about Citizens Climate Lobby. When did it get started? Uh, what is the sort of the mission? Yeah, so CCL is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. Uh, we have two reasons for existing. And <laughs> one of the first one is to uh, create the political will for a livable world uh, that's getting Congress to act on climate change. Right, right. Um, and the second one is to empower uh, everyday citizens to have uh, breakthroughs in their personal and political power. Mm. So we train volunteers to meet with their members of Congress. Um, we're, we have a grassroots army we're the nicest, most polite army you'd ever <laughs> want to meet. Their, um, we their weapon is their voice. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we go in to these meetings with our members of Congress with, uh, respect and gratitude and appreciation. And mm -hmm. we're all about building relationships and finding common ground on this situation because, right. uh, we don't get anywhere by just kind of butting heads and everything kind of just comes to a standstill. Right. So you've already pointed out how I've mischaracterized it as a David and Goliath. That was a true battle of fisticuffs or whatever, right? <laughs> Whereas this is really a, a, a political process, a relationship building process. And I'll say too, that I've noticed that from the work of CCL that I've been able to witness is that it is very respectful and a sort of a, a different style than you tend to see from the many other people who are advocating in many other ways uh to fight climate change right absolutely yeah yeah we meet we talk with everyone uh you know even those who would oppose us and you know our our respectful attitude gets us further and along in our conversations so we're always getting invited back you know to republican offices um you know they enjoy meeting with us and uh you know we show appreciation for what they do indeed they're public servants and yeah. and you know they're we might take a different approach to solving things but um, we need to, you know, have that that dialogue. Yeah, well, and you're you're explicitly nonpartisan, just like we are here at Forward Radio, uh, which is important. But do, does CCL play a role in the political process at all? Uh, do you talk to candidates, for instance, about their positions on climate change? And I, I'm especially asking that because we are in campaign season right now and our listeners are going to be able to go to the polls on May 17th and vote in a primary for their next U S house of representatives candidate. Right. And so is CCL working with candidates at all? Or I, I imagine you're not, you know, advocating for any particular candidate, but do you try to influence the political process? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we don't endorse candidates. Um, so, but we talk to every, every candidate, uh, try to get their views on, on climate solutions you know, what their plans are, uh, you know, let them know that you know, the general public wants to see climate solutions yeah. and, you know, try to get that information, uh, you know, what they plan to do about it. Um, yeah. And we, uh, you know, we, if we have like a night with a candidates event kind of thing, we invite all candidates right. uh, and make sure that we're, you know, we're uh, inviting everyone. Yeah. And of course, there's many things one could ask about in the realm of climate change, right? One mm -hmm. could ask a candidate or a, a, a sitting a politician, right? Um, but CCL has kind of a bit of a laser focus on a particular policy, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. 
Okay. It would put a price on carbon-based fuels at the source, at the well, the mine head, or the port of entry where it's imported. And carbon-based fuels include? Oil, natural gas, and coal. Okay, um, so, so not, what about biofuels? If there's any kind of fossil fuels in it, it would be taxed, not biofuels. Okay. If you're making biofuels through with fossil fuels, then there would there would be a price on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the legislation would spell out specifically what would be taxed. Correct. And this would have a big impact on our economy, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's going to raise energy costs uh, for consumers. For everybody. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. If you're using fossil fossil fuels. Uh, or buying we, things made with fossil fuels. Absolutely. Right? So we start out small, $15 per ton of CO2 emissions, uh, and then gradually rising. Uh, kind of let the economy adjust to things. It's kind of sends a price signal to the market. Okay. People should be looking for ways to reduce their impact. Um, you know, you might look for alternative ways to get electricity. And where I'm from, I'm not sure how Kentucky is, but you're, you can choose your electricity source. Oh, uh, you can nice. Get uh, like wind or solar mm-hmm. energy. Uh, I think we pay about 15 cents per kilowatt hour for wind energy up in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. but uh, uh, you know that kind of thing. It's going to concern. It's going to uh, change consumer behavior, basically. Okay, um, but that is offset by the whole dividend side of it. Yes, absolutely. We don't want to address this problem on the backs of our low and middle Please, income. Let's our, not create more injustice. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, gas prices are high enough already. Yeah. Um, so that, that dividend is going to go back to American households, uh, American citizens equally, um, and it's going to protect uh, two-thirds of the public from rising costs of energy. Um, and it's going to be an incentive for people to uh, keep more of that dividend check every month. It, it acts like an ec- economic stimulus, actually. Wow. Um, huh. So what you said two-thirds of the population. Explain that. Yeah, so if you're driving a Hummer, you're flying to Europe a lot, you use a lot of fossil fuels, you're going to be paying more. I see you're what you're You're not saying. going to be coming out ahead. Okay. Uh, so the wealthier <laughs> folks tend to use more fossil fuels where uh, low-income or middle-class tend to um, not. Right. Yeah. But I would imagine the prices of everything would go up because you'll find very few things in the store, right, that are not – don't have a fossil fuel base to them like that that aren't created with burning of energy right so um would this be an inflationary policy that then would be counteracted by that dividend is that kind of how this works so uh, manufacturers would be incentivized to take fossil fuels out of their production process because their competitors are going to be doing the same thing right okay Uh, yeah so if i'm a farmer and i can get away from relying on diesel and you know, the petroleum-based uh, fertilizers, too, for instance, right? And I can go to organic regenerative agriculture, use more human power, draft animals, solar power on my farm, all mm. these kinds of solutions. Uh, then maybe my produce uh, at the grocery store would not be as costly as currently. It's the other way around, right? If you try and get certified organic stuff, it's more expensive than the right. conventional, right? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up farming and, and uh, diesel uh, we have a bill in Congress now called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. Uh, it has 96 co-sponsors. Wow. It currently has a, an exemption for farmers uh, and also the military. Huh. Uh, so those fuels used by farmers in the military would be exempt from this. Huh. So it's not a taxation. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, is the military taxed? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I mean, taxpayers, it's kind of like, uh, when you call it robbing Peter to pay Paul kind uh, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the military is doing a lot of things to reduce their impact now anyway. They're using a lot of biofuels. They're, you know, they see the impacts yeah. of... Uh, you know, it's climate change is a national security threat, basically. Absolutely. I mean, we we have Norfolk, Virginia, and our the largest uh, naval base in the world is uh, dealing with rising sea levels. Right. Uh, so it's a national security threat. Yeah. Um, you know, there's bases that are seeing extreme weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know about the tornadoes in, in Kentucky, if that um, it had a huge impact on. Um, you know, down the Bowling Green area, but oh uh, yeah, yeah, very frightening. Yeah. I mean, we've had several very frightening storms roll through mm-hmm. right here in Louisville with the you know tornado sirens going off, and mm-hmm. that, that to me is always like a clarion call for like, hey, climate change is real, and and that, that's one of the five points that um, science communicators say mm-hmm. are, are are really a good way to talk about climate change, and I wonder if you could share with our listeners some of those those five points that start with it's real right yeah uh scientists agree uh, i think it's 99 percent of climate scientists uh agree that climate change is happening it's real it's bad it's caused by us it's us and <laughs> there's hope there are solutions uh there are a lot of solutions and uh that's what ccl is all about it's talking about solutions yeah uh, and we're actually getting into supporting other kinds of things besides fee and dividend. Oh. We're finding um, a lot of support for things like um, carbon capture and sequestration, um, nuclear you know, is another one. Huh. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're starting to get into advocating for other uh, solutions as well. Wow. In fact, we had a couple of what we call supporting asks that uh, we lobby for uh, inc- in Congress at last June, um, one was the Hope for Homes Act, um, and the other was the Scale Act, um, which has to do with uh, carbon capture and sequestration. Wow. We actually had volunteers lobbying for those two bills, and they were included in the infrastructure bill and passed uh, uh, into law by Biden uh, recently. Speaking today with John Clark, he's the Appalachian Regional Coordinator for Citizens Climate Lobby. You can learn more about the organization at citizensclimatelobby.org. It's a national group with local chapters like we have right here in Louisville. If people go to citizensclimatelobby.org, will they be able to find their local chapter? Yes, absolutely. We have chapters all over the planet, actually. Uh, We're originally based uh, in the United States to work with U.S. Congress, but people are coming to us all over the world saying, how can we get involved? And we're not going to turn anyone away. So there are CCL chapters uh, international that are doing a lot of great things. And you'll also produce a radio program, which we air right here on Forward Radio called uh, Citizens Climate Radio. Uh, We really love having that. Uh, And if I go to citizensclimatelobby.org, would I also find information about how to contact my legislator and what to say? Yes, absolutely. We have tools that people can use. Uh, we have a write your congressperson uh, tool. We have uh, tools for writing letters to the editor. Yeah. We have a, a tool called the monthly calling campaign, which you can sign up for, uh, and you get a random day assigned to you where you get a text message or an email saying, today's your day to call your senator oh, wow. or your representative. Um, we have a script. We always suggest that you know you come up with your own script, but we have a script for you. Very simple thing you can do. It takes me five minutes to call both my senators and my uh, representative nice. once a month, 
uh, very simple and effective because members of Congress are tallying the things, the issues that they're hearing most about. Um, right. And if you're showing concern for the climate, uh, they're going to take this more seriously. Right. So what kind of resistance are these policies, especially the fee and dividend policy, facing in Congress? Uh, wh- what do you hear from volunteers who are contacting their representatives? We're nonpartisan. Uh, we try to have a, a bipartisan bill. We, we do not have any current um, uh, currently have any Republicans on our bill. Our last Congress and the previous Congress, we had a bipartisan bill. It can be tough, I think, for Republicans to get on board uh, with climate solutions, unfortunately. Um, so that's why we have a lot of hope uh, to kind of work through these other solutions. Um, because we, we know that fee and dividend is not a silver bullet. We kind of need silver buckshot. Um, mm. We need a lot of solutions. So yeah. why not work on these other things while we're try- trying to get fee and dividend passed as I well? See. Um, and that's a way to kind of move our relationships forward with Republican offices and conservatives. Um, you know, we can be working on other things that they do uh, support. Yeah. What about our Kentucky legislators specifically? Do you know anything about their positions? Are any of them co-sponsors? Yes, absolutely. Representative Yarmouth here uh, is a co-sponsor. Thank you, Representative Yarmouth, for that. Um, He's been a supporter of ours for a long time. Um, And uh, unfortunately, he's retiring now. Right. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So we need to inquire of the people running to replace John Yarmouth in that May 17th primary, right, Uh, about their support for uh, citizens' climate lobby positions with respect to fee and dividend and these other issues, right? Absolutely, yeah. This is the time to press. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, politicians, uh, uh, this is the best time to, to talk with them. They yeah. like talking with people before the elections. Uh, so it's, it's, they're very accessible at this time. So the politicians who say, we don't support this, what are the reasons they give? Uh, one thing I hear is, uh, what about China and India? Why, sh- why should we be doing anything if they're not doing anything? Right, because this is a global problem. Exactly, Uh, which is a valid uh, point. Um, And our our response to that is... uh, (laughs) Evil elsewhere is not an excuse for you to be evil, right? (laughs) Right. Well, we are the number two polluter. Uh, China is about 30% of emissions, I think, globally. Uh, The U.S. is about 15%, and I think India is about 7%. Yeah. Um, uh, So... I hear, I hear that. Um, and hey, why wouldn't we want America to lead the way for positive futures and positive solutions? Like, I thought that's why we existed as a country. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that a conservative value that America should lead the way instead of waiting for China or India to take the lead? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, a, a fee on carbon would do, uh, we could put a border tax adjustment in place. Uh, so... When you put a price on carbon, there's an incentive for manufacturers to go overseas to countries where you're not polluting. It's called leakage. Right. So we don't want that. So we can put what's called a border tax adjustment on any imports coming from any countries uh, without similar carbon price. So any imports coming from China, uh, they're going to be paying our carbon tax uh, at, at the port of entry. So actually... Uh, the EU is working on this as we speak. Um, wow. They have a, a price on carbon currently. I think it's around uh, 86 euros a ton, I believe. Uh, so they're putting a border tax adjustment in place 
right now. Uh, it's going to start in 2026, and it's going to be on any goods coming from any countries uh, without a, a carbon price. So. Uh, currently, the U.S. and Australia are the only developed nations without a carbon price wow. in place. So uh, they're going to be starting on heavily polluting goods such as uh, aluminum, steel, concrete, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's going to expand into uh, more goods uh, later on. So manu manufacturers here in the United States are going to be paying the EU's border tax mm. uh, on goods because we don't have a price on carbon. Right, right. So actually, we have uh, bipartisan support right now uh, for a border tax adjustment. I think there was a senator from North Dakota who's talking about a Republican. Was it Kramer? I, I can't think of his name, but he's talking about a border tax adjustment. Uh, CCL does not see a way to get a border tax adjustment in place without a carbon price. Um, although the United States has done a lot with regulations, we've reduced emissions, but how do you quantify yeah. the price on regulations? When yeah. you have a set price per ton of 86 euros, you know, what's adequate in regulations? It's mm. kind of apples and oranges kind of thing. So, um, so you need that price on carbon to, to make this border tax adjustment work. And again, the... Fee and dividend legislation sets it at $15 a ton right now, but you mentioned it sort of increasing over time. What is that length of time, and how is that set? Uh, so um, it, it would increase $10 per ton every year. Every year, okay. Um, wow. And uh, until we get emissions down to where scientists say we're at safe levels. Wow. Uh, we're at about 1.1 degrees warming Celsius globally. Yeah. Um, Climate scientists say we need to limit it to 1.5 to avoid the worst catastrophes of, um, of of global warming. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of these really destructive weather events. You bet. Um, drought, wildfires, uh, rising sea levels. You can go down to Miami Beach and walk in, in seawater on a sunny day at high tide. Yeah. Um, so it's impacting coastal communities and it's impacting yeah, communities all over the the planet uh, with these extreme weather events and and uh, that kind of thing. And can you touch on how it impacts Appalachia specifically? Yeah, so um, one of the things we're seeing in Pennsylvania, and I believe you might be seeing down here, or Tennessee is certainly seeing, is uh, heavy participation, uh, precipitation, sorry. <laughs> and, and participation, too, yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need heavier participation. But, <laughs> but No, yeah, precip is through the roof around here. I mean, I've noticed in just living in Louisville for 12 years, what a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for every degree of warming, uh, that adds 7% uh, more moisture to the atmosphere. Wow. Um, you can think of it like a giant bucket over your head. Right. It takes longer to fill, so you get those drought periods. Yeah. Uh, and then when it gets full, it just dumps all at once. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot more of those really destructive heavy rains. I think Tennessee last year was uh, every county in Tennessee was declared a national disaster area wow. because of the flooding. Um, wow. Yeah, some serious weather. Mm-hmm events going on and wind events too. these straight line winds and tornadoes that we never used to see in this part of the country becoming just commonplace and it, it is this the is this the world we want to get used to <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, one of the things they're seeing with uh, tornadoes is tornado alley is shifting to yeah, the south exactly and the east. you're seeing a lot more 
and for a tornado in December, uh, yeah. that's really odd. You had that really extreme warm day mm-hmm. uh, right around Christmas, yeah. and, and that just adds energy uh, to, to fuel these kinds of events. Mm-hmm. And even hurricanes reaching further inland, we've seen some of those events, which, again, in our region, it's less about wind or storm surge, but more about just this incredible amount of rain in a, in a limited period of time, right? And this this has real costs on people's lives and on our economy, right? It's not like, oh, if we do this fee and dividend thing, it's going to cost us a bunch of money. If we do nothing, it'll be free, right? <laughs> exactly. We're paying the costs. Uh, we're paying our carbon tax in other forms, yes, the basically. tax. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> paying more for, you know, the insurance companies are paying a lot. Absolutely. Uh, they see what's going on with climate change. They're paying out in a lot of increased. Well, you uh, can't even get flood insurance now in some places. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We're paying higher costs. We're paying... Uh, costs through uh, respiratory illness, you right. know, from carbon pollution. You know, the fossil fuel industry is not paying for your asthma medication. Right. Uh, so, you know, I see climate change as just a big market failure. Mm. You know, we need to correct that market failure uh, to make clean energy, carbon-free forms of energy cheaper. Right. And, uh, you know, speed up this transition. Uh, by the way, this transition is already occurring. Yeah, um, I mean, we can see it in uh, uh, jobs being created in Kentucky with EV battery plants. I think there's yeah. one coming in pretty close to here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and even in the U.S., there are some economies within our country, right, that have put a tax uh, price on carbon, right? Absolutely. Pennsylvania just uh, joined REGI, with, uh, RGGI, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Is that right? Uh, so it's a group of... Um, 10 or 11 states, I believe, up in the Northeast that price carbon. That's on utilities. So that's only on utilities. Mm-hmm. Fee and dividend would cover almost our entire economy uh, because yeah. it's at the source. Um, and California also has? Yes. A, what do they call it? I'm forgetting the name. You know, I, I, I'm <laughs> oh, trying to think of it, too. too. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was a sort of carbon registry as well. Um, and then there's, of course, outside of the U.S., all kinds of nations that have gotten real serious about this. And what I think is really valuable about this work, I mean, most of my day is spent in trying to encourage individuals and our institutions here in town to be more conservative in the true sense of the word and you you know be less wasteful and more cognizant of their use of energy and materials and uh you know thrive right here locally with with the resources we already have locally and the the gifts of things like the sun and the moving water and the wind which could power our future right Uh, and that's important work but there's it's in, it's in the face of this sort of date again. I'm thinking of David and Goliath today for some reason of go, this Goliath of you know an entire economy fueled by fossil fuels, uh, and that is the real thing that we need to take on. And what CCL does is try and set up the market conditions. Like you said, it's a market failure, right? Set set up market conditions so that business as usual becomes carbon free. Absolutely, yeah. I mean that that that's such a vital thing to do, uh, and it's it'll be so transformative for every like you mentioned every sector of our economy, uh, without us having to um, 
you know, convince individuals or individual businesses or institutions to do the right thing, right? Like yeah. they will, they will do the right thing because it makes financial sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the economics are changing uh, as is, and we want to speed up that that change. It's all about it's yeah. all about the rate of change when it comes to yeah. the global climate crisis, right? Uh, right. This is not something we can unfortunately sit around for decades and, and ponder about we really need to get active now uh and i think though you know this is an important moment to be having this conversation soon after the uh, you know obviously just after earth day but also the release of the latest uh inter- intergovernmental panel on climate change report uh which was a, another start every time it comes out it's it's more dire right <laughs> but the latest one said something like 18 months to, to figure this out it's yeah. really all we have left to avoid the 1.5 degrees right yeah we're at 1.1 1. 1 now wow. uh we need to go uh basically to uh 50 percent cut in emissions by 2030 mm. uh net zero by 2050 mm. uh and that's a mon- that's a herculean task mm. uh, for sure um and the economics right now uh, are starting to change. You see a lot more renewable energy projects coming online because uh, it's cheaper than yeah. than coal and and natural gas even yeah. uh, in a lot of areas of the country. Um, I mean, the fuel is free. I mean, the technology is costly up front, but when you have a wind Hard turbine, uh, you know, just bringing in wind free fuel, uh, the economics are pretty uh, yeah. tough to beat w- with free energy. Right. I'm speaking today with John Clark. He is on tour throughout the Appalachian region uh, as the Appalachian Regional Coordinator for Citizens Climate Lobby, which you can learn more about at citizensclimatelobby.org. And you can find our local Louisville chapter there and get engaged in, uh, you know, speaking to our legislators and our candidates for office with the May 17th primary just on the horizon here uh, and, and getting these folks to take climate change seriously, integrate it into their policy framework, and start coming up with some real solutions uh, going forward. So um, the the fee and dividend bill, uh, you said right now it doesn't have any Republican co-sponsors. What about presidential level support? Is the president talking about this? Uh... Not so much. We have a campaign right now trying to, to um, you know, encourage President Biden to stick yeah. with his pledge to yeah. reduce emissions by 50 percent. Certainly talked about it as a candidate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that could be, you know, maybe like a strategy kind of thing. Maybe if he's um, for it, yeah. you know, it could be, you know, backlash by conservatives uh, <laughs> right. we need to be against that kind of thing uh, i'm not sure uh but mm. we absolutely need conservatives to be at the table talking about this right. um you know my my region covers appalachia we have a lot of energy veterans in, in yes. our region yeah uh we need to be talking about solutions that bring them along in this transition mm-hmm. uh because kind of playing this um this game of you know uh, you might be against the solution, so we're just going to ignore the problem kind of mm. thing. Um, you know, we need to be bringing in solutions that bring along our energy veterans, yeah. uh, take care of them. You know, coal built this country. Yeah. Um, and right now, uh, coal is going away. I mean, and it's going away 
in a way that's not helpful to coal communities um, because uh, a lot of conservatives aren't at the table talking about solutions. Yeah. I mean, we could be, uh, I mean, there's campaigns to shut down coal-fired power plants. There's divestment campaigns. There's um, uh, clean energy mandates. There's even uh, blockading ports from coal exports, that kind of thing. You know, and these are other places uh, addressing the problem yeah. any way they can yeah. um, because there's a lot of uh, need for conservatives to be at the table talking about solutions. And not to say that they aren't talking about solutions um, because they are. There's a lot are. Uh, but we need to be um, kind of um, moving along our pace and, and scale of of solutions so let's let's speak to our former coal miners here in kentucky who you know are are living in communities that are now you know post coal right They're, the the mines have closed those jobs are gone they're left with legacies of pollution what does someone like you what does ccl say to them as we have a we have a good idea a solution for you in your community yeah i, I mean um uh... Again, I, we need to be talking to our, our legislators and encourage them to come up with solutions that help those communities. Yeah. Uh, I know Senator Whitehouse from Rhode Island had a bill called the Save Our Future Act that would have uh, given a lot of uh, revenue generated from a carbon tax back to coal communities. Exactly. Um, basically, I, I think it was five years of wages for coal miners that lost their jobs because of a carbon yep. tax, yep. Um, health benefits, uh, revenue going into these communities. Uh, absolutely, we need to bring our energy veterans along um, in this transition. Uh, and some of that, you know, some of that revenue can go towards that. I mean, we definitely want to protect regular citizens with a dividend, but yes, um, you know that that money, some of that revenue can go towards um, helping energy veterans as well. Wow. Yeah, uh, we need to invest in Appalachia if we want to see a, a positive future. Uh, we can't just abandon the region because we don't need your coal anymore. Um, the, the, the idea that comes to my mind is something like the tobacco settlement that it really made a difference for our Kentucky farmers, right? So tobacco companies lied to us just as you know, the fossil fuel companies have about the, the health impacts of their product. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and uh, they lost in that legal battle and have had to uh, pay this settlement to, to, that sends money to all of the states where tobacco was grown. And now uh, the, those former tobacco farmers in Kentucky have access to funds to help transition mm. right to growing different mm. crops that maybe won't be so unhealthy for us. Mm. Um, I would love to see a similar sort of thing for fossil fuel companies having to actually finally pay up for some of their destruction, right? Uh, and invest that money in our, in our com coal communities. Yeah, and absolutely. And, um, actually, this week, the American Petroleum Institute came up with their own carbon tax plan. Really? Um, yeah, about, I think it's around 35 to $50 a ton huh. for CO2 emissions. That's surprising. It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they must see the writing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of these um, oil companies already include a carbon price in their internal uh, business dealings. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah. They see the writing on the wall, I believe, and... 
uh, that price predictability is makes for good business. Yeah. And of course, it's not just the coal companies, it's the financial institutions, right, that make loans available mm. for continued exploration. To this day, it's crazy to me that we're still investing in, it's almost as crazy as the people building the high rises in Miami Beach, like you mentioned, mm. right? That mm -hmm. We know is going to be underwater. Why would you invest in more development there? Uh, but to to be exploring for more fossil fuels at this point it just how far can your head be in the sand <laughs> yeah it kind of reminds was, bill mckibben i think said something that was a quote from bill it said he said uh when you're stuck in a hole the first thing you, you do is stop digging <laughs> <laughs> indeed yeah so there's been efforts to protest uh, jp morgan and chase bank for their funding of of fossil fuel exploration and, and the companies that do this. Um, that's, a, I guess, another spoke in the wheel of transition, right? Um, so what are some other things that we can be doing uh, to, to fight this global crisis locally? Yeah, locally, uh, talking to your politicians uh, absolutely is, is a big one. Uh, we need systemic change, and that's going to take federal policy yeah. to do. Um, and talking to your politicians at every level, at, at, you know, at the local level, at, you know, thing, things can be done uh, to reduce emissions. I know here in Louisville, they had a, um, it was a clean energy, um, it was a mandate. 100% renewable energy mandate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And thank you to the, to the council for that. Uh, yeah. Um, and so a carbon price could actually help drive that uh, innovation to make that possible. Right, right. That's an interesting th th thing. That the connection to make is how these policies can actually support each other. So there are people who think that that kind of a mandate locally is unrealistic, but that's only given the current market conditions, which is a failed market, right? Mm. Uh, so if we adjust the market conditions and start actually putting a price on carbon... Uh, then these kinds of efforts will become way more realistic and happen much faster, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we do. We look for endorsements. Uh, so city councils, we, we're always oh. looking for endorsements of the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. Uh, you can go to energyinnovationact.org uh, and endorse the bill. If you're an, a local influencer, a mayor. Uh, or city council, you can, uh, or business owner, um, or faith leader. That you know, local influencers can can make a difference by endorsing our bill. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned faith communities too. We got a lot of churches here in Louisville, and there are many of them that are you know active in fighting climate change, and uh, and their voice I think is really important to to point out the sort of. This is not just about economics. This is a moral choice. Absolutely. I, I was brought up Catholic. Um, I, we have kind of a creation care kind of attitude. Yeah. I feel like at this point we're kind of in a Noah's Ark in reverse situation where we're just kind of <laughs> tossing species overboard uh, by not taking care of uh, creation. So. Mm. Uh, absolutely. We need to be good shepherds of, of the planet. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, too. This is not just 
not just something that's going to harm us humans, but all all life on Earth. Like, in fact, some of us humans have the means to relocate out of the way of climate disasters, whereas, uh, you know, there's so many species that who rely on habitats that cannot move. Absolutely. And that's why I got into climate change. I care a lot about biodiversity and, and uh, life. So yeah. it, I, I see, you know, species extinction as, uh, you know, just a sin. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the end of our time together. Uh, I know you've got you've got plans to head to Lexington next. You want to talk about what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we have a couple of um, presentations in Lexington uh, tomorrow. Do they and, have a chapter? Uh, yes, okay. Lexington has a chapter, uh, and then Northern Kentucky. We're, we'll be up in Covington over the weekend, uh, where they have a chapter as well. Excellent. And so. Uh, we hope that you get involved with Citizens Climate Lobby uh, at citizensclimatelobby.org. You can join. Uh, you can take action. You can make a difference. Get connected with some cool people who are very, <laughs> who are very gracious, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. You've met them all around Appalachia. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I am enjoying this uh, southern hospitality down here. I'm calling this the uh, uh, going across Tennessee and Kentucky, the barbecue and bourbon tour. <laughs> I hope you've done a little porch sitting with some of these five folks. Yeah, it's been wonderful. (laughs) Well, that's great. Uh, You know, John, thank you so much for for taking the time to join us today and for doing this tour. Uh, I know it's probably a pain to get out and about, but uh, we really appreciate having you come to visit us and inspire us and, and connect us with what's going on regionally. Absolutely. It's not a pain at all. I enjoy talking to all you good folks down here. So thank you, Justin. And thank you for your work on sustainability. I appreciate that. You're most welcome. Come on. Y'all come back anytime. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good luck with the rest of your tour. Uh, And folks, get involved at citizensclimatelobby.org. There is a role for you. Uh, whether you want to volunteer or just individually contact your legislator, uh, there are so many opportunities to get engaged uh, or even to do things like spread the word on social media, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many things that we can be doing, uh, writing letters to the editor, with social media, uh, lobbying is a big part of what we do, so meeting with your representatives. Uh, can people find CCL on which platforms? Uh, all of them, I believe. Okay. Yeah. You don't got a TikTok? Hot yeah. damn. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great. Do it, folks. Take the time now. We'll put a link uh, to Citizens Climate Lobby in the show notes. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. Get your pencils sharpened and your calendars out because I've got a community action calendar coming up right now. There's things happening even this May Day week for you to get engaged in sustainability. So stay tuned, my friends. While the sun shines bright on my whole Kentucky home, tis summer and the people are gay. And the corn tops rise while the meadows are in bloom. Birds are making music all the day Said weep no more, my lady Oh, and weep no more today And we'll sing one song for my old Kentucky home For my old Kentucky home far away 
the young folks roll on that little coffin floor. Oh, Mary, all happy and bright. By and by, hard times are coming knocking at the door. My old Kentucky home, good night. I said, weep no more, my lady, oh. Song for my old Kentucky home, for my old Kentucky home far away. Daddy Rico. here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, on your community radio station, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting at 106.5 FM from here in the historic Hayburn Building and live streaming at forwardradio.org. Beneath me now, it is our friends at Apple Latin. Many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their fine local music on the archived versions of our local programs that you can find at SoundCloud and they're all archived there at FordRadio.org Well, happy Derby Week everybody, even on Derby Week there is plenty to do for sustainability this week, so get your calendars out and your pencils sharpened there's a bunch going on down at Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest just south of Louisville and Claremont, Kentucky this week. All of these events require registration and payments due by 4 p.m. the day prior. And you can do so by calling them at 502-955-8512 or go online to register at Bernheim, B-E-R-N-H-E-I-M dot org. It all starts on Wednesday, May 4th at 7.30 a.m. For you early birds, they're doing a mellow morning morning stroll. If you're a morning person, these quiet, reflective strolls are designed with you in mind. Each slow-paced stroll will focus attention on nature's small details, hidden connections, and the sensory-rich tapestry of life. Join Bernheim staff and our volunteer naturalists near Bernheim Sensory Garden and start your day attuned to nature's beauty and abundance. Then on Friday, May 6th at noon, they're having a great virtual program called Savor the Season, a spring of hope and renewal. Now that winter is subsiding and in the rearview mirror, we can look forward to taking joy in the emergence of spring. Everything is leafing out this week. Join us for five Friday lunchtime sessions as we celebrate spring as a season of growth, optimism, and fresh starts. Those who sign up for the package of four sessions will have access to a special bonus session 
during the final week. We'll be discussing topics like how to create garden spaces that help us heal emotionally or physically, and the value of play for healthy development. Events take place over Zoom with time for live questions and discussions afterward, and you can register now at bernheim.org. Then on Saturday, May 7th, they're having a volunteer orientation from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And it's a virtual program again. Volunteers can give a few hours or several hundred hours providing support to Bernheim and our visitors. Have fun in the great outdoors by participating in a variety of activities. Take the first step in becoming a Bernheim volunteer by attending this general orientation on Derby Day of all things, right before the Pony Star Race on Saturday, May 7th, 10 a.m. It's virtual. Also on Saturday, May 7th, from 1 to 4, if you want to escape Louisville for the Derby, you can go down to Bernheim, check in at the Visitor Center for an Eco Kids Discovery Day. Eco Kids Discovery Days are offered every first and third Saturday of the month, weather permitting. ECO stands for Every Child Outside, which is the best way for children of all ages to connect with the natural world. And on Sunday, May 8th at 9 a.m., they're doing a trail discovery hike, the first half of the Millennium Trail. Explore miles of Bernheim hiking trails with their volunteer naturalists. These longer guided hikes will help you get more familiar with Bernheim and its trails. The time frame for this strenuous seven-mile hike is five hours, my friends. A five-hour hike coming up at Bernheim on Sunday, May 8th at 9 a.m. Your guides will be taking a slower pace, which will allow participants to discover, discuss, and enjoy the unique features that the Millennium Trail has to offer. Late spring wildflowers will be observed during the hike. Don't miss it. Water, sturdy, treaded shoes, or hiking boots are required for this hike. Tennis shoes should not be worn since the trail has multiple steep sections, rough terrain, and could be slippery in spots. Snacks or a sack lunch and hiking sticks are also recommended. Don't go hungry. But have fun on Sunday, May 8th, 9 a.m. out at Bernheim. Again, you'll need to register by 4 p.m. the day prior by calling 502-955-8512 or by going online at bernheim.org. All right, that's all that's happening down in Claremont this week. What's happening right here in Louisville? Well, on Wednesday, May 4th, there's going to be a native gardening workshop over at the Louisville Nature Center. After work, it's from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Members are free if you're a member of the Louisville Nature Center, and there's a charge for non-members. Are you a beginning gardener that wants to learn more about native plants? Master gardener Phyllis Fitzgerald will give this 45-minute presentation plus Q&A session about how to create a native garden. After that presentation, she'll take you on a tour of the sensory garden and an optional tour of her nearby private garden down the street from the Louisville Nature Center. You can register for it all at louisvillenaturecenter.org, and it's this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Now, I've mentioned it before, but on Thursdays from 5 to 7 Saul, our community partner, Sustainable Ag of Louisville, has gardening parties gathering at the Saul Community Garden behind Crescent Hill Presbyterian Church at 142 Crescent Avenue. Just bring yourselves ready to do garden tasks and to share in the abundance of the spring. Bring your families. Children's are most welcome. You can learn more at salouisville.org. And coming up on Friday, May 6th at 1 p.m. at UofL's Planetarium, 
there'll be an excellent talk called The Electric Economy and Climate Change, The Critical Role of Energy Storage. 2019 Nobel Laureate Dr. M. Stanley Whittingham will speak at U of L. Stanley Winningham is a recipient of the 2019 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for the design and development of lithium-ion batteries, and he'll be presenting two lectures on his life work as part of the Chemistry Graduate Student Association Derby Lecture Series. Winningham will give a technical lecture, The Lithium Battery, From a Dream to Domination of Energy Storage, Future Chemistry and Materials Challenges, on May 5th at 11 a.m. His general audience lecture, The Electric Economy and Climate Change, The Critical Role of Energy Storage, will be this coming Friday, May 6th at 1 p.m. Both lectures will be at UofL's Gein Science Hall and Rauch Planetarium. Dr. Winningham's visit and lectures are organized by the UofL Chemistry Graduate Student Association, who is sponsoring the event. Co-sponsors include the Clarion Corporation, the National Science Foundation, and the UofL College of Arts and Sciences. The organization is excited to announce the return of the Derby Lecture Series this year. Since 1978, graduate students at UofL have hosted numerous Nobel laureates as the Derby Lecturer for this series. We consider this event to be our proudest achievement, and it's our honor to continue this long-standing annual tradition. The Derby Lecture Series is among the most unique university events organized by grad students. It is planned around our city's biggest day, the Kentucky Derby at the world-famous Churchill Downs, which is just five minutes from the chemistry department at UofL. UofL. It is free and open to the public this Friday at 1 p.m. at the UofL Planetarium. You can learn more at louisville.edu slash sustainability. And another reminder, my friends, that this Sunday, yes, after Derby and every Sunday from noon to 2 p.m., we need your help at UofL for community composting. It's our volunteer days every single Sunday, noon to 2 at 250 East Bloom Street. It's just one block north of Cardinal Boulevard between Brook and Floyd Streets. You can come help us turn trash into treasure as we manage UofL's volunteer-powered community composting operation. Dress to get dirty tools are provided. You can learn about worm composting, and all participants are welcome to haul back home some rich UofL compost for their own gardening projects or indoor plants or whatever you need in whatever containers and vehicle you bring. This is a weekly service opportunity throughout the year. To learn more, you can contact Brian Barnes at 502-338-1338. He's the director of our community composting project at UofL. And you can always learn more at louisville.edu slash sustainability. And finally, coming up on Monday, May 9th at 6 p.m., it is the May Community Conversation about Bardstown Road Redesign at the Highlands Shelby Park Library there in Mid-City Mall. Metro Council Member Cassie Armstrong will host this community conversation on May 9th focused on the Bardstown Road redesign. Representatives from the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet and Louisville Metro Public Works will be on hand to answer your questions about the redesign of Bardstown Road to be more pedestrian and people-friendly and bike-friendly as well. You won't want to miss it. Monday, May 9th, 6 p.m. Get your questions answered at the Highlands Shelby Park Library in Mid-City Mall. That's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. And it's all our calendar of events for Derby Week. I want to thank you all for tuning in, and I will be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Happy Derby.
Bailo por el amor a la vida sí. 